All right, so we're going to get into the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to start in Philippians 4 today. We've been uh, in a series called Prayer, as most of you know, that uh, have been here the last couple of weeks. We started off talking about desiring prayer, and we really started off with kind of some vision casting when it comes to prayer and what we really want. I want to have a prayer life like Moses, where I have a friendship with God where we talk like face to face. That's what the Bible said about Moses. I also want to have a prayer life, and I want all of us in here to have a prayer life where mountains are moved, and people know that, and people come to us with requests all the time, and the reason they come to us with those requests is because when the people of Family Christian Center pray, stuff happens. And on top of that, and the third thing that we talked about when we talked about desiring prayer, we talked about not feeling guilty where you're at in your prayer life. Prayer life is not a, a destination. There is no arriving. You will never, ever have a perfect prayer life. It's more about the journey, development, growth. There are principles, and we're going to talk about those, but it's about development and growth, and you will never have the perfect relationship with God, but we want to continue to grow in that relationship with God. So wherever you are at, we want you to continue to move forward, and that's why we made those cards that Eli was talking about, those business cards and magnets, is to just kind of kick us uh, kickstart us and keep us accountable in, into our prayer life and, and maintaining that connection with the Lord. Then last week, we talked about understanding prayer. And, and we answered the question, how do we know it's, it's God? And we talked about learning the language and, and the language that the Lord speaks and the Word and, and those types of things and how we can understand and learn more about God through that. And this week, we're going to go with learning prayer. And, and that's what we're going to talk about. And we're really going to dive in to the Lord's Prayer. Now, something that's really, really cool, and I, and, I, and I think prayer is so valuable and important. In fact, I think as a church, we probably don't talk about it enough. When we compare how much it's talked about in Scripture and how much we talk about it in the church, we probably don't talk about it enough. We probably need to talk about prayer more because it is definitely prioritized in Scripture. I have talked now, this will be my third week, and I do not have to repeat any Scriptures on prayer. There's just, there's so many. There's so many, and, and there are some, like this one, that I didn't have to talk about in week one or week two. I, I talk about in, in week three um, because there's so much to it, and I have a, a couple of scriptures that I'm excited to share uh, the next couple of weeks as well uh, because there's so much to prayer. But let me tell you something that, that has really kind of hit me the last few weeks. As we've been really dealing with prayer, I've had several people contact me and call me about prayer requests and, and share different things with me. And the number one request that I get, and I might have shared this last week, but the number one request that I get is about anxiety, about worry. And people want to pray or have me pray about their anxiety. And I think that's super interesting, and that's one of the reasons why I'm going to start off this way uh, today, because I can, just, I can ask this question of all of us, and all of us will probably raise our hand, and feel free to if you want to. Have you ever been in what appeared to be an impossible situation with no way out. How many people have ever been there? For you that have, did not raise your hand right there, you must live in a hole, right? Because we've all been there, right? We've all been in what appears to be an impossible situation, and you can't see a way out of it. The real crazy part, <coughs> excuse me, is in almost all of those situations, they get resolved and you're like, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. Yet it kept you awake at nights, didn't it? Because you were worried about it. Another question. Have you ever desperately needed something, but it felt like there was no way you would ever get it? <coughs> How many people have been there? 
you ever desperately needed something? Have you ever thought that you had no future, that there was no hope? How many people have been there? And, and, and that's all of us. And one of the reasons that I wanted to share that with you is because I want everybody to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. People experience anxiety and worry all the time. And I want to read the scripture in Philippians 4 that specifically addresses this. It says in 4, 4 through 7, <coughs> you have to forgive me, I'm struggling with something here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I love that it says right at the beginning, don't be anxious, because that's important for us to know, right? There are certain times when you just, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that. But then he doesn't leave us there. He gives us instruction on how to follow through with that. Because when you tell yourself, I'm not going to worry about that, sometimes that doesn't work, right? You still worry about it. You're still thinking about it. You can't get your mind to shut off. But what does he tell us after that? He says, but pray about it. I mean, that's basically, we're going to paraphrase, right? You know what? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Instead, let's pray about it. Let's be thankful and let's lift it up to the Lord. And when we do that, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. This is probably my favorite part of this scripture because I think there is so much truth to this. We know that prayer can move mountains, right? It can, it, can, it can make changes in your life and physical things can happen. But you know what prayer does more than anything? It changes you, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Prayer changes you, not necessarily the circumstance. What happens here, he says, don't worry about it, pray about it. And it doesn't say the circumstance will change. It says you'll have a peace that will guard your heart and your mind. I think that's powerful because most of the time when we talk about these circumstances, right, we know that a few weeks later after we look back, we're like, gosh, that got resolved and it wasn't that big of a deal. But in the moment, it felt like this giant mountain and what you needed was not for the mountain to be removed because you don't learn anything from that. What you needed was peace that guarded your heart and mind. That's what you needed. What you needed was to pray about it and learn to trust the Lord. That's what you needed. And so we want to learn... <coughs> excuse me, we want to learn to pray. And so how do we do this? How do we pray? Well, the good news is the disciples asked Jesus that very question. Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. He gave them four verses. Four, which I think is super, super cool. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in there today, and we're going to pretty much dissect the Lord's Prayer. So that's Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. And there's several things that I want you to notice about this as we go through this <coughs> section together, okay? The first thing I want you to notice is it's not very long. It's four verses, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. When, when they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, you know what he didn't do? He didn't give them a 12-page book. He didn't give them a hundred-page book. He gave them four lines. Four. I think that's important for us to, to know. While this is very, very complex, it's not very long. It's not very long. 
And your prayers don't have to be either. And that's what we had talked about some last week. Smith Wilsworth said, I rarely pray for 20 minutes, but I also don't go 20 minutes without praying. It's all about that connection that you maintain with the Lord all the time. Do I think it's cool to have those hour-long prayer meetings like we have on Mondays? Absolutely. I love that we can have that deep connection with God. But I think it's also, if not more important, to have those every moment, maintaining a relationship, continuing a connection, feeding on the Word, meditate on it, and communicating with Him constantly. I, I, I want that. That's what I want, and that's what I think we need. So it's not very... It's not very long, even though it's very, very complex. I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit here. Verse 9, it says, Pray then like this. This is Jesus talking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, how do I pray? This is how you pray. Right here. Four lines. Four verses. This is what you do. And and there's a couple of things that I really love about this. Number one is the first half of this is talking about God, right? It's addressing God, talking about God. The second half is about needs, and we're going to get into that a little bit deeper. Uh, Another thing that I notice here that I think is very, very cool is is it addresses the past, the present, and the future. Give us today our daily bread. That's the present. Forgive us our debts, the things that we have done wrong. That's the past. And lead us not into temptation. That's the future. He addressed all three of those in this one section of scripture. I mean, there's so much to this. It's it's really, really complex. But I want to dive into it, and I want to talk about a kind of sentence or line by line, and hopefully we can get some tips and help understand how to pray a little bit better. So let's start with the first sentence. Our Father in heaven. This, this right here addresses the who, right? It addresses the how and the where. Who are we addressing? The Heavenly Father. How are we addressing Him? Like children going to a father. And, and I think that's really, really cool. Jesus tells the disciples to go and when you pray, talk to the Father. You see, we are children adopted into His kingdom and we can approach Him like a loving heavenly father, which is amazing. I have a great dad, great relationship. I would love to be able to talk to my God and see him the way I talk to my father. I'd love my kids to be able to see God and talk to him the way they talk to me. Well, not the way they were talking to me yesterday. That's probably inappropriate. (laughs) But you know, when we're serious and we have that kind of relational time, that's the kind of relationship we want. Our father, we get to address him as children and a loving God, and that's valuable, and I hope you understand and cherish that you get to do that, who are in heaven. He he is outside of this physical world, which I think is important for us to remember. The next line, hallowed be thy name. It is important for us to remember to start everything off with praise. I got a compliment our, our praise and worship team. We, we have such a talented group of people that come to church here. We had three people drop out of the praise team in the last probably 10 hours for different reasons. My wife is not here this morning because she's at home sick. She woke up this morning and, you know, never got off of her, her knees. She was just struggling with her stomach being upset, and it's crazy. And so Sean didn't know he was playing until last night about 5.30. Jen didn't know she was 
singing until this morning about 6 a.m. And they all came, and they, I mean, I, they, just, they just do a fantastic job. Because, you know what? And, yeah. We, we, are, we are blessed, church, that we have so many people that can just rise to the occasion and lead us. And we start our services with praise and worship because we think it's important to know and understand how huge, how big, how powerful our God is. I remember years ago, and it sticks with me, and I have told this story several times, but I think it's so valuable and important, and it sticks with me, where I was at Ramah Bible Institute, and they were interviewing an, an older lady about her prayer life, and she had the reputation that I'm talking about. Her and these, these older ladies get together, and they pray, and I forget which day of the week they pray, but they have people that would bring requests to them every, from all over the state, all over the state of Oklahoma. They would bring requests, and they would pray, and things would happen. And they asked her, how, how, what, tell us about your, your prayer time. And it was two hours long. And she said, the whole first hour is us talking about how big God is. And the reason we do that is because when you understand and know that our God created the universe with his mouth, you understand that he has the ability to do so much. And it increases our faith so much that those requests seem so easy to ask God for. Because he can handle them. And I, and I was like, that's amazing. I mean, she spends an hour building her faith. Once again, what changes in prayer? She does. And so she's changing as she's growing her faith by talking about how amazing, how big, how awesome, how holy, how glorious, how loving her <clears throat> So it's important to start with all of that, with knowing who God is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. I love this. There's verses that talk about getting our minds off of earthly things and setting them on things above. It's important for us to understand that there is a kingdom outside of our world because we can easily get focused, can't we, on our little piece of the pie, our struggles, our issues. But you know what? Lord, it's not about what I have here. It's about your kingdom, and I want to build your kingdom and focus on your kingdom. Philippians 4, 8 tells us finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think about these things let's think about the kingdom of god and get our minds off of defiance ohio because if you're focused on defiance ohio there is a lot to be depressed about isn't there but if you're focused on the kingdom of God, there's a lot to be impressed about. There's a lot to be excited about. And that's what I want for all of us, to understand that there is a kingdom outside of our little piece of the pie. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So important to understand that it's not about my will, but about God's will. Because there is a reality that all of us have to face, that we will come in contact with difficulties and struggles and we don't know why. We will also pray about something and it just doesn't come to pass the way we think it should. And we have to remember in those moments that it's not my will, but God's will. And that I'm going to trust him regardless. I remember being 18 years old and praying my little tail off that God would heal my grandmother who was laying on her deathbed and it didn't happen. I remember being a young youth pastor and one of my kids in the youth ministry developed cancer and they were saying he was going to die and I remember praying my tail off 
that God would heal him, and it didn't happen. I remember being a young associate pastor and a young lady in our church that was coming to our, our small group on Thursday nights developed lung cancer, and I remember praying my tail off that God would heal her, and it didn't happen. Those can rock your faith if you don't understand this right here. Your will be done, not mine. And it will rock your faith if you don't grab a hold of that because you will come across things that you don't understand. You will come across things that you believe your will should be done and not God's will should be done. And that's not the way it works. Why do those things happen? I don't know. But I also know that I have laid my hands on several people and experienced God's miraculous healing. And there are some of those people in this room. And so I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop laying my hands on people. I'm not going to stop petitioning, supplications, intercessions. I'm not going to stop those things because while one or two or three times it didn't happen, I have one, two, three, four, five times a miracle did happen. And God can and will move. Why doesn't it happen sometimes? I don't know. But you know what? It's not about my will. It's about His. Give us this day our daily bread. Ooh, this one is good. This one is good. You know why? Because this is talking about the present, isn't it? And it's talking about your daily bread. I love thinking about this from the Old Testament where the Israelites needed food. And you know what God provided? Just enough for that day. Because you know what our Lord promises? He promises that he will supply all your needs, not all your greeds. And the truth is, we get focused on our greeds. And when God doesn't answer our greeds, we get upset with him. This prayer is about, Lord, Give me today what I need, not wealth for the rest of my life so that I never have to think about you again. There is a section of verse of, uh, in this book, and this is the book that we're going through with prayer, and I have several quotes. There is a section that was my favorite, and I've wanted to share it every single week, but I haven't. I waited until today to share this one little part in this book that I have read myself I think seven times. I think this will be my eighth time reading it because it was just so good and it was on this subject and it hit me like a ton of bricks that I read it over and over and over again. If I got nothing else out of the book, this would have been worth reading it right here. I have it circled. It's big. So sit tight and listen because I think it's so valuable and so good. St. Augustine cites Proverbs 37 through 9 as an example. It says this, Give me neither property poverty nor riches feed me with food appropriate for me lest i be full and deny you or lest i be poor and steal and take the name of my god in vain this is an excellent test consider the petition O oh lord give me a job so i won't be poor this is an appropriate thing to ask god for indeed it is essentially the same thing as to say Give us this day our daily bread. The Proverbs 30 prayer reveals the only proper motivation beneath the request. If you just jump into prayer without re recognizing the disordered nature of the heart's loves, your prayer's intentions will be, make me as wealthy as possible. The Proverbs 30 prayer is different. It is to ask, Lord, meet my material needs and give me wealth, yes, but only as much as I can handle without harming my ability to put you first in my life. 
I want you to listen to this sentence. Just, you don't have to pay attention to me the rest of the time. You can take a little nap. But listen to this sentence. Ultimately, I don't need status and comfort. I need you as my Lord. Boom! Drop the mic, walk out. I feel like George Costanza. I'm out! I'm out! Any of you guys that watch that, it's okay. But it says this and it continues on. But I think it's true, church. Give me. I mean it. I don't need status. I don't need order. Or I don't need status. I don't need comfort. The thing that you need is the Lord. And we pray so often that our greeds will be met. And the reason that's a problem is because we get so wealthy we forget about God. But we don't want to be so poor that we also steal and struggle. And so the motivation behind this is important. I have to read the next paragraph. Imagine an eight-year-old boy playing with a toy truck and then it breaks. He is disconsolate and cries out to his parents to fix it. Yet, as he's crying, his father says to him, a distant relative you've never met has just died and left you $100 million. How many people would like that? What will the child's reaction be? He will just cry louder until his truck, truck is fixed. He does not have enough cognitive capacity to realize his true condition and be consoled. In the same way, Christians lack the spiritual capacity to realize all we have in Jesus. This is the reason Paul prays that God would give Christians the spiritual ability to grasp the height, depth, breadth, and length of Christ's salvation. In general, our lack of joy, as Shakespeare wrote, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. We are like the eight-year-old boy who rests his happiness on his stars or his circumstances rather than recognizing what we have in Christ. This is why the Lord's, this is why in the Lord's Prayer, we don't get to the petition of our daily bread and needs until we have spent time remembering the greatness of God and reigniting our love for Him. Only then can we pray rightly for happiness and for our needs. Only when we know the true love that we have for the Lord, can we pray for those types of things. I, I know that was a long part, but guys, it is so valuable for us to understand that part right there. Give us this day our daily bread. I, I remember being a teenager and praying for $100 million, right? I mean, who didn't do that when you were a teenager? I remember also praying that certain girls would like me. I remember those things. <laughs> But what I, I often missed was, of course, the value that I had in being able to commune with my Heavenly Father. And, and, and I was looking for those circumstances to change, and what I didn't need was status, what I didn't need was comfort, what I really needed was a relationship with Him. And I think that's valuable, and I hope we all understand it. Forgive us our debts, <clears throat> excuse me, as we forgive our debtors. These two work in tandem together. The Bible tells us later in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's important. We have to forgive and then ask for forgiveness. We talked about that last week, or Eli did as well. And church, this is, this is huge for us. Bitterness is a problem in our churches today. It, it's a problem everywhere. And here's, here's the reality with forgiveness as well. Forgiveness is not for the other person, just like prayer isn't. Prayer is for you. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness changes you. 
They're not worried about your bitterness and unforgiveness. That makes you miserable. That makes you where people don't want to have a relationship with you. Forgiveness changes you. And, and, and I was recently, and this really bothered me, but I was recently reading a book, and it was very good. It's one that I've read in the past, and it was by a minister who had um, gotten accused of some things and kind of fallen away, but it was an excellent, excellent book. And I was reading it, and somebody came up and said, I can't believe you're reading that book. Do you know what that guy did? And I thought to myself, I was like, I'm just, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to acknowledge that. I'm going to be like, yep, I, I understand. Yep, he did. He made some, some mistakes. Um, book is really good. And I'm going to share with you the realities of this because we can see it in Scripture today, okay? Moses, who's the man whose relationship with God I want to be like, disobeyed God and was not allowed to go in the promised land. He disobeyed God. Does his disobedience then nullify or change the fact that God used him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? No, right? No. Did it change that he had a relationship? No, it didn't change that. David was 15 years old when he killed Goliath with a stone, a giant, and saved the entire army of Israel. Later on in his life, he had an affair, and he had the, the woman's husband killed. Did that change the fact that God used him to deliver the armies of Israel from the Philistines? No. Well, let's talk about future, right? Peter denied Jesus three times, said, I do not know this man. And the Bible tells us that if you're ashamed of, of, of Jesus or God, he will be ashamed of you. And he denied him three times. And you know what Jesus said to Peter? On you, I'm going to build my church. You are my future. You know who else did all those things? Paul was a murderer and a, and, and a person who imprisoned Christians. He wrote most of the New Testament. No, what I'm getting at, church, is where you are because of the sins that you have committed or, or even the sins that you are going to commit. It's not about those actions. It's so much about your heart behind it. David was repentant, and God changed his future. He did. We, we, we look at so much and we say, oh, they're disqualified for their sin. Whether it's the things they did in the past is no longer useful or the things that they're going to do in the future. Guys, if we did that, not one person would be able to minister. Not one person. Because I got news for you. We all have committed sins and issues and struggles. Every one of us. We can see it throughout the scripture. The good news is, no matter what you've done, God's not done with you yet. And, and if you will submit to him, and that's a big deal, you've got to have a repentant heart. You've got to want God's will, not your will. If you will submit to him, he will use you. He will use you. And it doesn't change, sure, the things that you have done. But you do have a future with God. And there are people that have been used by God, and they fell into sin, and they have struggles later on in life. But it does not change the fact that God used them in the past. And don't take those things that God did in your heart through a certain leader and allow your faith to be rocked because they have sinned. Well, they're sinful people. They're people. They have sinned. Put your trust in God, not in those people. Use the, the, the things that God has given them and the tools that God has given them and the anointing that God put on them. Use that. But then when they screw up, don't throw out all that work in the past. Don't. And, and anyways, that's my little soapbox for, for today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You're a sinful person. God's not done with you yet. People have sinned that you're going to experience in your life. 
That doesn't mean their ministry is no good, and that doesn't mean God can't use them in the future. It's all about that repentant heart. It's all about it. All about it. Because we are all sinners. But not all of us have a heart to follow God. Not all of us have a repentant heart. And that's where it makes a big difference. Lead us not into temptation. Problem with temptation is it is very tempting, right? And the best way to avoid sin is to avoid temptation altogether. So Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, it's not just about sin. There are other things out there. My wife's experiencing one this morning. There's poverty. There's sickness. There are things that, you know what, I didn't choose. I didn't uh, choose sin, but sickness is upon me. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. And we can pray and we can ask our Heavenly Father for that. Hopefully you can write some of these things down and tips and, and learn and develop your prayer life. Because I want, for every person in this room, I want us to get away from anxiety. I want us to get away from worry. I want us to be changed and transformed because we have a connection and a prayer life with God that is so strong and so deep that we do not have to sit in our struggles and worries. I don't want anybody in this room, and I know this is hard. We've got to grow and work and develop it. But I don't want anybody in this room to have another sleepless night because of anxiety or worry. I don't. I want you to have a prayer life that is strong, that you can take things to the Lord, and that His peace will guard your heart and will guard your mind forevermore. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, we ask that you would just continue to lead us. Father, we want to grow in the things you have for us. Lord, keep our hearts connected to yours always. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.